Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. Our prayer is that you too would experience his presence and hear his voice for yourself. Please enjoy this week's message by our guest speaker, Kyle Hobson. I have sat where you're sitting many times, and this is a place where the Lord talks to you, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, and it's fun because he doesn't let you usually stay where you're at. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, let's, let's invite the Lord into this, uh, into this message today. Father, we invite you in. We say, have your way. We say, Lord, we're listening. Give us ears to hear what you want to say. And help us to be bold and confident and walk in that. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for uh, allowing me to speak today and, uh, and share. It's an honor, an absolute honor. I love this house. <laughs> and like Victoria said, I've been on the worship team for uh, a while now, so you may have seen me on the keys leading. I've also been talking in the youth group. Uh, over the last year, I've been preaching with uh, the youth, and we've been going through a uh, discipled by Jesus teaching plan. We've been learning about how Jesus carried himself and how we can learn from him. And if you, uh, you know that age group, starting with uh, people that are like maybe in high school, middle school, they have a long attention span, they listen really well. And they love teachers. <laughs> a lot of respect for teachers, so it's been a great experience. <laughs> no, I love, I love the youth. And they're on fire. I don't know if you knew. Uh, they are hungry. There's, there's a word, the word that I, I would have for the youth right now is momentum. I don't know where they're at. Maybe they're having momentum somewhere. But <laughs> the youth usually sit over here. There's just a moment. Second service, thank you. They're sleeping. <laughs> Well, bless them in their dreams. <laughs> and I just, I know that there's a momentum in this next generation. And I'm hungry to see them hear what the Lord has to say to them. Uh, I've been in um, a preaching class with Pastor Doyle. He, he taught this class and I, uh, he said this one thing that really stuck with me. He said many things that stuck with me. <laughs> he said that preaching is just sharing the gospel through the grid of life. And so that's what I intend to do today, is share what I know, my story, a bit of my testimony with you, uh, and hope that I can break off a little piece of what the Lord's done in my life and share with you today. Does that sound good? So I'm going to start with my small beginnings. So I, I've had this underdog thing going on. Has anybody ever felt like an underdog in life? Yeah, okay. All right. I'm not preaching to myself. Good. <laughs> I've had this thing where I've felt like kind of uh, low expectations on what I would do, what I would accomplish in my life. And I actually thought, what better way to, to share my humble beginnings than to show a picture of me when I was a wee little lad. <laughs> so this is me on the right there, <laughs> the bugle boy. <laughs> Bugle Boy is a, a brand for those that uh, are not <laughs> of younger generation. 
Uh, my brother's on the right. He gave me permission, or on your left. Uh, he gave me permission to share this. So we are just dashing in that uh, like tucked in t-shirt look. Those are Velcro shoes. <laughs> That's about how tall I stayed all through high school. No. <laughs> and I, I had this thing where I was a, I was a younger brother. Uh, any, any younger siblings in here? You kind of by nature, by default, have just lower expectations on what you'll do uh, in life because you have someone that's gone before you, right? Uh, so I'm a younger brother, late bloomer. <laughs> and there's, a, there's another picture too, actually. This next one uh, shows me super styling. This was uh, <laughs> Estes Park uh, and we were hiking and I bought this raccoon hat, had this Daniel Boone kind of look going on. And for those that are paying attention, that is a fanny pack. Does anybody know? Anybody use fanny packs? <laughs> so I, I had this nerdy, dorky beginning to my life. And I'll fast forward it a little more into maybe my working years. So I was a, uh, I started to join the workforce. I interviewed for a job at uh, Best Buy at the stores. I wanted to uh, work in the sales floor. And I, they, in the interview, they ask you to sell them a paperclip. I don't know if they do that still, but I, I did not know how to sell a paperclip. I was like, it'll hold your paper together, right? Like, you just, you're going to need one of these. And they're like, you know what? We'll put you in the warehouse. <laughs> <laughs> so they did. And I worked in the warehouse for a while. Um, kind of, I botched that interview. And fast forward a little bit further. I wanted to work for corporate and, uh, and in the call center. I just wanted a foot in the door kind of job. And in that interview, I guess I messed that one up too because the, the hiring manager later was like, yeah, we were not going to hire you. But I was like, let's take a chance on this one. <laughs> and, and they did. And so somewhere in there, I had, this, uh, I had this crazy thought to believe what the Lord was saying to me as an underdog to believe that maybe that voice in my head that's saying, you are significant. You aren't just the underdog. You have more to offer to the world. And I was crazy enough to start believing it. And I saw that soon I would become, I, I, I'd be in these team situations, I'd be in a work situation, and I would find that I wasn't just having the answer to the problems, I became the answer to their problems, that I started to become a leader that helped solve the culture problem that we had on the team. I would shine the light so much that it would shift the culture of these teams I was on. So I moved from this underdog, low expectations role to believing what he had to say. So today I want to share a bit of how he's done that in my life with you. Uh, actually, I was, uh, if you know, you know Lamont, Lamont, Lamont Mix, he's a good guy. He, I was sharing that with him actually in preaching class once, and he was like, I feel like the Lord's, I said to him, I feel like the Lord sends me to these places that are kind of dirty, and, and I feel like I need, I need to like clean it up or something like that. And he's like, you know, that's the Lord's heart, that he takes dirt and he makes beautiful things out of it. So today, maybe just... Be thinking about this in, in your life. Maybe there's dirt. Maybe there's something around you, something dirty. 
Like uh, maybe it feels like you're, in, you're standing amidst some, some ruins of a relationship or, or something that feels impossible. But the Lord's talking to you today. He's saying that I can make beautiful things out of that. <laughs> so here, let's open up. Let's get some uh, scripture going. I want to go to Zechariah, and then we're going to go to chapter 4. I would love to see it. If anybody had actual physical Bibles, I'd love to see how fast you got there, because it's like nestled in the middle of the Bible, one of those smaller prophets. <laughs> so Zechariah 4, and we'll start in verse 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain, and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands shall also finish it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the earth. So, show of hands, who knew the name Zerubbabel before this moment? <laughs> oh, nice. Okay, good. <laughs> who knows his story? Okay, not this many hands. <laughs> Zerubbabel is a, it's a crazy name for one. I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right, but I looked it up on Google and they all pronounced it differently too. So I'm just going to go with this one. <laughs> we could give him a nickname. Do you want to, like Ruby? You think Ruby work? I was thinking about his name and it actually has like a, a baby bell, you know, that, that cheese in it. <laughs> baby bell. So I'm just going to go with Zerubbabel. <laughs> so Zerubbabel's story is, this verse that you just read is, is the reason I wanted to talk to you about it today. I've read this verse and I just like, it hits me. It's like, this is, this is what the Lord says to me. Whenever he sends me to a thing and there's a mountain in front of me, it's not by my might, by my strength, but by his spirit that I accomplish the task in front of me. And, and he is wanting to do that with so many of his kids because there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, rubble, there's a lot of dirt out there, right? And I'm not really a historian, so I'm going to do my best here to describe this story and set the stage for what's going on in Zerubbabel's life. And uh, history was not one of my favorite subjects, so this is going to be a not by my might kind of thing too. <laughs> okay, so picture this time in history. This is like Solomon, King Solomon uh, has built his temple. He's come and gone. The, the nation of Israel has been established. And then it divides into these two kingdoms, Israel and Judah. And they have all of these kings. This is like the 530 BC. Just a little jaunt down memory lane for you. And these two kingdoms have these kings and they are like, some are good, a few are good, but a lot of them, it says, they did, did evil in the sight of the Lord. And so there came this time when, because of this evil, the Lord gave Israel, his people, into the hand of Babylon, this other empire. 
And King Nebuchadnezzar, if you've heard of him, he conquers the, the kingdom of Judah and he takes all of the people, uh, most of the people captive to Judah or to Babylon. And so they, we pick up the story of Zerubbabel when they're in Babylon uh, captive. So I want you to put yourself into uh, his shoes today. So like, think like, I am, I am Zerubbabel right now. Just put on that, <laughs> that Zerubbabel shoes. Maybe sandals. I, I don't know what they would wear. <laughs> you are born into captivity, right? So you never knew a life of freedom like your, other, like your ancestors did in Judah. You're born into this nation of Babylon. So you already have kind of a bad hand dealt to you. You are actually royal blood. So Zerubbabel comes from a line of kings. His grandpa was a king of Judah. But because you're taken captive and the nation that you came from is no longer a nation, you can't, you're not a king. They call Zerubbabel a, a governor. He's, he's not the king of Judah anymore because they fall under Babylon rule, Babylonian rule. And it's kind of like you're, you're, you're born into this. You could be royal blood, but you've inherited a uh, like middle management position. <laughs> he's like right in the middle now. And the other thing is his name literally means seed of Babylon. That's what Zerubbabel means. So he is, uh, he's a product of Babylon and, and being captured and a reminder, his name, his, the mere mention of his name would remind everyone of the worst tragedy that had happened in their generation. So ultimate underdog setup, right? He's, he has the lowest expectations on him as a leader to do anything of noteworthiness. And, he, and his name, his identity is even pulled from this, this tragedy that happened to his people. So this is where we, we pick up the story. Uh, and uh, if you know Jeremiah 29, 11, pretty common scripture, we can put this up. So 29, 11 says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards, he says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil to give you a future and a hope. It's good, right? I'm, I'm pretty sure Zerubbabel would have known this one too. He was, he was like, oh, this is a good verse. And then if you back it up, just one verse. It says, for seven, after 70 years are completed at Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to it. To this place. So he's talking about, this is the prophet Jeremiah talking to God's people saying, after 70 years, you'll get to return. You'll return from captivity. And I bet Zerubbabel was looking at his wife. He reads this. He's like, oh, wait, 70, carry the one. This is going to happen on my watch. <laughs> he probably knew this and realized I'm the guy if this prophecy comes to pass, I'm the guy that's going to be leading one of the people back to our homeland. And don't, don't miss this today. This is the call. This is the moment. This is the moment where maybe you've been sitting in here for years, like I was, five years at the house church, 
and you heard message after message, and you've heard Cindy Jacobs come in, and you've heard these prophecies, and maybe revival stirring in the land, and, and you've got something like, oh, man, maybe there's something, maybe there's something that I am going to be called off the bench for. Maybe you're one of the people that the Lord's talking, and he's like, Jim. <laughs> Jim. And Jim's like, oh, no, are you talking about the other Jim? Like, no, I'm talking about you. <laughs> or, Kyle. And, I'm like, and maybe you don't even recognize your own name when the Lord says it. Because of your expectations on yourself, because of how you see yourself, the identity that you've adopted, the Lord's talking to you, but you're missing. You're missing him calling to you. And you're just like a bystander. You're sitting on the side and you're, you're like, oh, he's probably talking about the people playing the game. But he's actually talking to you and saying, I have a thing for you. It's time to get off the bench. I want you in the game. No matter who you are, you're not insignificant. At one point, I felt insignificant. I felt like, what am I going to do, Kyle of you know, Green Bay, Wisconsin, <laughs> that's where I was born. <laughs> what am I going to do <laughs> in this world? But I stand right here, right now, talking to a room full of people. Like something, <laughs> something happened in my life where he set me up for this moment right now to share it with you. So let your faith rise up today. Let it sink in and maybe believe, maybe believe what he's saying about you. So there's this other crazy story where King Cyrus, he comes into the picture. Babylon's captured by Persia. There's all, a lot of war at that time. Babylon gets taken over by Persia, and King Cyrus is a Persian king. And there's a whole other story about the prophet Isaiah saying King Cyrus is going to let him go. And he does. He's the one who lets the people go back to, uh, to their homeland. And he says, um, I'm not going to just let you go, but I'm going to fund it. So he paid for them to go back. He paid for them to rebuild the temple. So we pick up this story, and there's three things that I've, I've picked up on from how Zerubbabel approached rebuilding in Jerusalem. And I think I want us to listen to this today, too. We build things that last by starting at the altar. Let's go to Ezra 3.2. Ezra 3.2 says, Then Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, joined his fellow priests and Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, with his family in rebuilding the altar of the God of Israel. They wanted to sacrifice burnt offerings on it, as instructed in the law of Moses, the man of God. Even though the people were afraid of the local residents, they rebuilt the altar at its old site. Then they began to sacrifice burnt offerings on the altar to the Lord each morning and evening. So where did they start? They started at the altar. So picture this. Zerubbabel and his, and his contemporaries are back in Jerusalem, and the entire city is demolished. The entire place is rubble, including the walls. The walls that would protect them from invading armies including the temple, 
which is where they would go meet with, with God. And where did they start? At the altar. The first thing they rebuilt was the altar, the place where they would offer sacrifices and could reestablish their festivals and their rhythms to acknowledge God as their provider. The first place they started was rebuilding this place that represented God is our provider, God is our protector. Though they were afraid of those that might come in and harm them, they established an altar. Are you hearing it? <laughs> in your life, when you're afraid, and when you're, you're looking maybe to like, well, these people could come get me, I should set up walls. I need to keep the people out. I need to protect myself from what's going to derail my plans. You start at worship. You start with <laughs> acknowledging him. And out of that place of worship, he provides, he protects. Start with worship. And there's something here with uh, Zerubbabel's story that uh, I call it the underdog advantage. If you're a younger sibling, you, you know all about this. It, it's basically those that have gone before get in more trouble. <laughs> yeah? And you, I don't know why it just is a thing. I feel bad for the older siblings. I'm a younger brother, but it's a real thing. <laughs> you get in trouble as the older siblings. And so Zerubbabel's ancestors did all kinds of bad stuff. They established a worship system of Baal, of different idols, of different things. They actually defiled the temple. And so I know Zerubbabel would have known this because he, this is his, his grandparents. It's his ancestors. And he learned from those that went before. He said, what they did led to our exile. I'm not going to do what they did. Sometimes when you see people that have gone before, you get, you get the advantage of perspective. There's no eyes on you when you're the underdog, so use that to your advantage. <laughs> you observe. You see what, what has happened, what, what mistakes that you don't want to repeat. And he did this. They started with the altar, uh, and that's where we start when we're facing the rubble of, our, of, of the tasks at hand for us. The next thing that I observed here is in, uh, in, in the, the Zechariah verse says, we, we build things by his spirit. So let's read Zechariah 4, 6 again. The word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace to it. That capstone is like the finishing piece of the, of the building. This prophecy is saying you're going to finish it. Although it's rubble, you will finish it. You'll bring forth the capstone from that mountain in front of you. And so this is such good news. It's not by, it's not by might or by strength. It's not by your qualifications. <laughs> that you'll accomplish the task. It's not because your resume is so good that you'll, make, you'll bring transformation to your workplace. It's because of him in you that you'll bring transformation. It's not by the skills that you think kind of will equip you, the tools that you've acquired. 
that you'll be able to do this impossible thing in front of you. We're not the ones that move the mountains. He is. <laughs> and he's saying that to us today. <laughs> he's saying, not by might, not by your power, but by my spirit. Sometimes you get a call. Sometimes you get the Lord talking to you about a thing that you're like, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish that. Has that ever happened in your life? Yeah. And when he, when he tells you that, he brings this encouragement with. <laughs> it's not going to be by your might or by your power. He, calls, he doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Uh, in in uh, Mark, you hear Jesus talking to the Pharisees about, um, they're like, what's the greatest commandment? Do you know what his response was? The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And in this passage is, is this key that we love with all of our strength. We don't accomplish the task with our strength. We love the Lord with all of our strength. The difference is where you put your focus. When you're, when you're, when you're set out to accomplish something great, our focus shouldn't be on how do I do this thing with my own strength, but how do I stay so close to the Lord that there's nothing that could shake me? How do I find my strength from him? I'm going to exert my focus, my effort on the Lord, not on the thing, not on the problem. Yeah, the, when I was working at Best Buy, this was long before, uh, this was like pre-2020. <laughs> now my, my work day, my commute is like walking down to the basement. Uh, but <laughs> back when I would actually commute to, to work, uh, this is what my morning routine would look like. I would drive in, park my car in the, in the parking garage, and, uh, and then I would proceed to intercede over the company, my coworkers, over my over the jobs, the projects that I was I was tasked with. And then I would try not to look like a weird guy to the people parking next to me. Because <laughs> I'd be like pressing in for what the Lord has for this place. Jer Jeremiah also in 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 his prophecy says, pray for the city in which you're captive, because in its blessing you will be blessed. You pray for your workplace, you pray for wherever it is that you're planted and see the Lord's love, like nothing holds his love back from his kids. And I would, I would pray so much that I'd be weeping and I would just end my prayer and wipe my tears off and I would walk into work. This is how we, we love the Lord with all of our strength. This is how we accomplish mighty things in life. It's in your nearness to him. It's in your closeness to him that you are qualified. It's his approval. He, he says, I have called you. I have approved you. My approval is all you need. <laughs> this is good news. And then the last uh, lesson that I learned is we build things that last one brick at a time. In Zechariah 4.10, it says, for who has despised the day of small things? These seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the earth. So I am not, I'm not a, a, a DIY kind of guy. I don't build anything. Um, 
DIY to me stands for don't involve yourself. <laughs> I, <laughs> it gets worse. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I read this verse and I did not know what a plumb line was. <laughs> So any like contractors in the room or people that know, yeah, you, know, you probably know what a plumb line is. I did not. So this verse that means so much to me, I had to go buy one. This, this is a plumb line. So this is like probably, they probably had a, one that looked different. This one's cool looking. It's got brass or something on it. But this is what a plumb line looks like. And, and I, I also looked up what they do. <laughs> what you use them for. <laughs> I'm not intending to ever use it, <laughs> but I know it was a prophetic purchase. Uh, <laughs> that's not an excuse for guys that are looking to buy stuff, right? Oh, it was a drill. I needed a prophetic purchase. You know, um, <laughs> the plumb line, it tells you what perfectly vertical is. This line here is perfectly vertical because of gravity, um, but when you're building something, it, it tells you how you should, what you should align your building to yeah. so that the force is properly applied downward and it doesn't fall over. So when Zerubbabel, when the Lord's like, I rejoice to see this in your hand, Zerubbabel was laying the foundation. He was laying bricks. He was, he was building and I think there's something prophetic about this tool because as we build, we align it to his standards. We keep our eyes vertical and not horizontally focused on those that may judge, that may put their own expectations. We align each brick by brick to his standard. <laughs> and, and it won't fall when you do that. When we build it to his standard, it lasts. When we build things to, to our standard, I think we just reap what we sow. I think we get what we put into it. But when we build to his standard, it lasts for eternity. You build a legacy that will outlast your lifetime. That's the kind of building that I want to do in my lifetime. I don't want to miss a moment where I can make something that, that lasts longer than me. I don't want to just do something that's like, oh, cool, I acquired, I built up for myself, I acquired resources, and I, I, I made money. I want to do something that is meaningful, that lasts, that leaves an impression on the hearts of those around me. That's the legacy that we all have. So Zerubbabel's real legacy, uh, to me, actually comes from Matthew 1.12 if you put that up. And after they were brought to Babylon, Jeconiah begot Shelatiel, and Shelatiel begot Zerubbabel. Do you know where this, this verse comes from? It's the first book of the New Testament, and they're describing the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Zerubbabel was in the, the line of our Savior. His story is forever part of why we have our Savior. He's of the, the lineage of David. He comes from the, the line of David. And Zerubbabel's legacy is built and forever established because of being associated to Jesus Christ. 
And that's the same for you. Your legacy is, is it established upon the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. Who he is to you is where it all starts, is where you start your, your, your building. So let's, let's just make it personal today. Maybe, maybe you've inherited a problem. Maybe you've found yourself in uh, a space where it's like, I don't know how I'm going to accomplish this. There's, there's, it's so dirty. It's, it's just a mess. Maybe you're standing amidst the ruins of a relationship. Maybe you're standing amidst the ruins of a, a job or a task. What's he saying to you about that? What's the Lord saying in those moments when you face these things? Because no matter who you are, you're significant. You, you matter. And what the Lord is saying to you is that you can take this on. He rejoices to see you take it on. You know, we, as, um, we, we worship and we rejoice and we praise the Father, but he rejoices when we take on some, the project, the problem. And I want to make our Father in heaven happy. For me, as, a, as an earthly father, I, I get this because I rejoice when my kids take on their chores. <laughs> I rejoice when they take on the thing. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and I think he's the same way. He's like, I got messes. I don't want to clean them all up myself. I want your help. And he gets happy when you pick up the tools, when you start the task, when you lay the first brick. So whatever the thing is that he's talking to you about right now, I think he's saying, come out of hiding. Come out of, come out of where, whatever it is, the bench that you're on. And see and dare to believe that what I'm saying can be true about you. Dare to believe that the identity that I have for you is greater than the one the world's putting on you. Just dare to believe it and see where it takes you. And then put your seatbelt on because you don't know where it'll take you. <laughs> um, I would love to just close here, and uh, if you would stand to your feet. I just want to pray this over. Is, is there anyone in here that's felt like this has been, uh, like you've inherited the problem, like specifically maybe you were born into something? Um, you don't have to raise your hand if, you're, if it's sensitive, but I do want to pray over that specifically. Like you've been dealt a hand, You've inherited problems that you didn't create. And so, Lord, right now, I pray over these situations and I speak your authority, your, what you say over them to be true, that you take the identity off of their past. You take the pressures of expectation, of uh, low expectations in their life, and you put your own authority within them. You put your own truth within them. Right now, Holy Spirit, you're speaking to your kids and you're saying you're significant. You're significant. You matter. I wanted you. I need you. You matter. I made you for great things. You might not know what they look like, but I do. Be encouraged today, friends. Be encouraged that... When you take it up, it's not going to be by your own strength or by your own might. It's by His Spirit. 
that you'll accomplish the thing. And if we dare to believe you, Holy Spirit, if we, if we all dare to believe you today, this world will never be the same. Father, speak to the hearts of your kids right now. Holy Spirit, give us the boldness to believe you. Give us the courage to step out, to take the steps of faith that are needed today. And I bless your people today in the name of Jesus. I bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you. May he lift his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace that surpasses understanding. Peace that's ridiculous, that doesn't make any sense, but you would have peace despite all odds. Peace. (laughs) In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It is our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or by sharing it with your friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love for you to connect with our community. Please visit ithehouse.org for more information. See you next week.